Good morning, Northfield Baptist Church, and I want to say good morning to uh, other guests and friends who have joined us from other places. We are so glad to have you uh, on board and with us this morning, week four of this format, and um, we're just grateful that we have the opportunity to do this. I want to encourage you right now, if you haven't already, take just a moment and uh, and greet the people that are that are online with us here, and you can use that chat box down there just to say hi. Uh, sort of like that greeting we might do uh, at the beginning of, uh, of our service. This is your opportunity to do that now. It's so good to know that you're there. And again, we want to thank you for joining in with us. We read in Psalm 118, verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so in these few brief moments that we have, it's my desire and hope that, that uh, what we share, what I share from the Word, will point you upward uh, and will help you to see and, and to behold the, the beauty, the glory, and the faithful love uh, of God. I want to encourage you just to continue what you have been doing, and that is to, to pray for each other, seriously to pray for each other uh, during these weeks uh, when everything is in a lot of un, up, upheaval, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, keep texting each other, emailing each other, giving phone calls, making phone calls to each other, dropping notes in the mail. All of those things are are very encouraging and, and can help us not feel quite so isolated. So I want to encourage you just to keep that up. You know, as the, the economic impact hits, uh, we really want to be aware uh, of, of what's going on around us, and we, want, we really want to be ready to step in and, and help as there might be opportunity for us to do that. So, you know, though, even though we are at a distance physically during these weeks, uh, I, I hope it's a time that we, can, that we can draw near, using the tools that have been made available to us to, to draw near uh, in, in spirit, to, to draw near in relationship one with another. You know, this is a time not just for us to look out for each other, but I would really encourage you to make this a time in which you look out for others who are in your sphere of influence uh, there are opportunities to care for others and to be of, of help to them uh, through this time. So, so perhaps you really could take this time to check in on your neighbors. Uh, I, I know that uh, you're really not necessarily able to go up and knock on the door and expect that they're going to come and answer that door. But you know what you could do is, is you could take just a moment uh, and, and jot them a note. Uh, and uh, you could put it in their mailbox. You could mail it to them. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, introduce yourself to them. And uh, just share a little bit of a uh, word of encouragement. Offer yourself uh, in, uh, to be of any help or service to them. Give them contact information of, of how they can reach you. Uh, and take a moment and assure them that you are praying for them. Of course, that means that you are praying for them. And just see how the Lord might, might do that. You know, you may have seen on the, the church's Facebook page that uh, this past week we tried uh, what we call drive-through prayer. You know, and the intent of drive-through prayer is... Uh, folks might drive into our, our parking lot. The intent of that uh, is not to replace what you uh, hopefully could do in your neighborhood. And it's not our intent for you to send your neighbors over to our parking lot for someone to pray for them. Uh, we, we really want to encourage you to do that. Really what we're trying to do, it, it's aimed at those who may happen to be driving, a by, driving by on Route 82 or North Boyden Road and in some hours that maybe there might be a little more traffic. And our thought is maybe if they saw a sign. Uh, inviting, uh, inviting them to come in, uh, that there would be someone to pray uh, for them. Who knows what might be on their mind? Who knows what burden they might be bearing? 
uh, how lonely they might be feeling. And who knows that just a simple little invitation to, to stop by, let someone pray uh, for them, maybe they would respond to that. And we will have uh, people there in the parking lot properly uh, protected who are, who are ready to, to, to pray for them and bring that encouragement to them. You know, if you are especially uh, at risk, maybe one of those who, who's at risk in this time, uh, and you can't get out at all, and you need someone uh, to run some essential errands for you, maybe even to make a, a run to the grocery store, please let us know. Uh, we have people that we can call on who would be more than happy to try and be of help to you in that way. So you can call the office, of course. Uh, those calls are be, being forwarded during office hours. And uh, we are here and ready to be of help to you. Stay in touch with your, uh, with your adult Bible fellowships, uh, the ministry teams and fellowship groups of which you are a part. And, uh, of course, your deacon is there to be of help to you as well. I want to thank you uh, also for your faithful giving. Um, you know, we're going to do our best to keep you informed of where we're at as a church, but thank you for what you are doing. I know there's a lot of uh, economic uncertainty. There have been layoffs. There have been reduced hours, which means there is uh, a reduction in the resources that, that we have. And, and again, we want to we do what we can to be aware of any needs you may have. And, and I hope you won't uh, be afraid or hesitant uh, to, to, to let us know if we can be of help. Hopefully, uh, others will be reaching out to you, but we know we're in a tough time like this. Uh, we also want to encourage you to, uh, to continue, as, as you would want to do that, to, to give to, to some of the non-perishable items that we are collecting. There's a list that's gone out in the past couple weeks in, the, in an email. We're just trying to get ready um, uh, to be of help, especially after Easter. It could be that just after uh, you know, next week, some of those who have been, been laid off, they may be facing that, that first missed paycheck, and some of the realities of that lost income is going to be felt more deeply by them. And we would like to have things already here on hand that, that we can offer in some small way to, to maybe meet some of the need uh, and, and encourage them. So I would, uh, you know, would ask of you, if you're able to, uh, to continue to, to give to, to, those, uh, to that collection that we are putting together of those non-perishable items. Also, I want to just encourage you when, when my message is done here, just hang around for another moment uh, at the end. A couple quick announcements uh, that I'd like to give to you about the coming week. But let me look to, to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have to, to gather uh, in your presence and to, to look to you and to call upon you and to open your word. Oh, Father, uh, may you use your word to encourage us, uh, to strengthen us, to teach us, uh, to convict us, whatever it might be, Lord God. We look to you. We want to honor your word. And so bless us this morning as we open it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I want to begin this morning um, by just a little, little word game. Uh, I'm going to give you a word. Uh, and uh, what I'd like you to do is uh, when you see that word there in your chat box, um, just I want you to type a response. So I'm going to give you a word, and, and what I'd like is, is for you to type in there maybe the first word or first couple words phrase that comes to your mind. So, for example, you know, I might say, I might give you the word pandemic. You might type in the word trapped. I don't know what it might, it might be, okay? So I'm going to give you a word, uh, and I'll wait just for a few seconds for you to type your response in that chat box, and then, and then we'll give some responses, and we'll move on from there. So... So the first word I want to give to you uh, this morning is the word Zoom. Yeah, Zoom. So go ahead. Uh, type what comes to your mind when, when, when you hear that word. Um, okay, all right. Um, yeah, Zoom. I, you know, what, goes to my, what comes to my mind is, oh, 
another one, but hey, that's that's the time in which in which we are. So, all right, here here's a here's here's a a second word. Okay, so the word is marvel, marvel. All right, so what comes to your mind? Type in uh, first word, a couple words that, that that comes to your mind as you as you hear that word marvel. All right, okay. Um, it, here here's here's mine. Captain America. Oh, who knows? Who knows what you might have put in? And, and there's all kinds of words. All right. Uh, here, here's my next. Uh, here's my next word. So, what comes to mind when you hear this word? Shopping. Shopping. Ooh, yeah. That's uh, that's become a an interesting endeavor, hasn't it? Um, well, uh, I guess maybe what comes to my mind is the word long lines, or the two words long lines. Uh, certainly, you know, shopping has become quite an adventure for us these days. All right. Ready for the fourth one? Uh, here, here's the fourth one. Spring. Spring. So what comes to your mind when you, when you hear that? Uh, all right. Uh, for me, uh, my response, uh, I guess, was the word life, uh, new life, uh, when we think of, of the spring season. All right. Got one more. Here it is. Fifth word. Hosanna. Hosanna. So what comes to your mind when you, when you hear that word? So go ahead and type that in. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Hey, I'm just faking it. I'm recording the day before, so I have no idea what you're typing right now. But let me give you my answer. I hear the word Hosanna, and, and my response would be Palm Sunday. Yeah, Palm Sunday. That's today. Uh, today is what is called Palm Sunday. So what is Palm Sunday? Well, Palm Sunday is the Sunday that comes before Easter. And in Christian belief and in Christian tradition, uh, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of what's called Holy Week that ends on Saturday. All four of the New Testament Gospels record the, the event that we especially think of on Palm Sunday. But what I'd like to do is read uh, from the Gospel of John. Uh, of the four, John's account is the shortest. Uh, but I want to go there because John is the one who really helps us to to understand why we call this Sunday Palm Sunday. So I'm reading from John chapter 12, uh, starting at verse 12. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And that's where John stops with his account. Uh, Passover uh, is, was the time of year that, that all of this occurred in. And, and Passover was the celebration uh, that Israel would observe, remembering when God brought them out of their Egyptian slavery uh, with, a, with a mighty hand, the, the, the great act of God's redemption uh, of the nation. Uh, you can read about it in the book of, of Exodus. It was one of three times in the year that, uh, that Jews would come from all over the, the empire, and they would come up to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate Passover. And so, and so things would get very crowded, as you can imagine, there in the city. John tells us there in, in verse 12 that a large crowd had gathered. It's impossible for us to, to hard even estimate how, how many uh, were there in Jerusalem. 
Um, there, there's a low estimate I, I read that, that said the regular population of Israel ranged maybe from 20 to 30,000, but at Passover, it would swell to 150,000. On the high end of the estimates, uh, some say that the regular population of Jerusalem was 80 to 100,000, and at Passover, it would swell into the millions. What we do know is that this large crowd was a lot of people who were lining that route. And John tells us that, that, that the crowd heard that Jesus was coming. Uh, he, he was coming from the nearby uh, village of Bethany, and, and word went out that Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem. So, so the picture here is of, of people streaming out of the city of Jerusalem, going out to, to meet Jesus along the way. And then John says, as, as they began to stream out and line the way, they took branches of palm trees and they started to wave them. The palm branch by that time had become a national symbol and, and waving the palm branch signaled their, their nationalistic hopes that a, a messianic deliverer had arrived. And so that's the drama that is unfolding here in this scene. Jesus is publicly presenting himself to Israel as their Messiah. Now, it actually stands a little bit in contrast with how uh, John chapter 11 ended because at the end of, of the previous chapter, Jesus had withdrawn. Um, and, and, and we also know that all along the way, Jesus had rejected the efforts that some people uh, had put forth to proclaim him as their king and to make him their king. And, and just days prior to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, and you read this again at the end of, of John chapter 11, people were wondering is Jesus going to show up? Has anyone seen him? Is he here? Because he had made no public announcements about his plans or his intentions. And now, word has gotten out that he's riding into Jerusalem. And as he did there on that donkey, he was intentionally presenting himself as the fulfillment of the prophecy that had been announced by the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. 500 years prior, in Zechariah 9, 9, where we read this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And there is Jesus riding in, fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, this whole, this whole scene is going to escalate a confrontation in Jerusalem that is going to climax on Friday at a place called Golgotha. There is very clear Old Testament backdrop to, to the scene and the events of Palm Sunday. As I mentioned, we, we have Old Testament prophecy that is being fulfilled. And we have Old Testament psalms that are being sung. And so the scene here on that Palm Sunday is one of, of what we might call festal joy and celebration as the crowd shouts out the praises and they are doing so from their own worship manual. Like Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26 that say, Save now, I pray, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this whole scene is infused with messianic hope. And everything that happens here in this scene is intentional. The time of Jesus' arrival at Passover was intentional. The manner of his arrival on a donkey was intentional. The atmosphere of his arrival and the shouts of praise that came up from the people were intentional. But I want to draw our attention to the one word that is so specifically associated with Palm Sunday. And it's that word, Hosanna. 
The, the word Hosanna was, was, was in Jesus' day. It was a shout of praise. Uh, it actually comes from a Hebrew word, and the root of the Hebrew word was a root word for salvation. In fact, the word uh, Hosanna, the same root, root of that is, is, is what you will hear in the name Joshua. So while it was a shout of praise or, or, a, claim, or a claim, its root meaning was that of a plea for salvation. And, and it's a very intensive form of this, of this command. So it's, it's the idea of save, I pray, save, I plead. And some would even say, save now. It's a desperate cry for plea at its root. And add into this whole picture the, the palm branches that the people are waving as symbolic of a victorious ruler. And what you have is the, is the crowd crying out to Jesus for salvation. Hosanna is what I've called the Palm Sunday plea. It's a plea for deliverance. It's a plea for help. It's a plea for rescue. It's a plea for salvation. How appropriate in this time when we are sheltered in our homes and we're trying to avoid getting or spreading a virus that swept the world, infecting, I guess, at the last count, more than 1.1 million people worldwide and growing and taking the lives of more than 59,000, a number that is increasing. Medical personnel are pleading for supplies. Businesses are pleading for help to survive. Citizens are crying out for help. And our government just passed the largest stimulus package ever to try to help. Well, what was the Hosanna plea of that Palm Sunday crowd? Save, save now. Well, save from what? A plea for salvation must be preceded by something from which you have to be saved. I rather imagine that if Jesus had stopped along that parade route and gotten down off that donkey and, and worked his way through the crowd and, and started to ask them that question, just what is it you want me to save you from? He might hear some responses like these. Save us from our diseases. Save us from our hunger. Save us from our miseries. Because, you know, it's interesting, according to, to, to John's account, and again, in the previous chapter, chapter 11, and then tie that in here to chapter 12, it seems very clear that, that this crowd that had assembled on that parade route included many pilgrims who had come from Galilee. That was Jesus' home territory. That, that's, where, that's where the bulk of Jesus' public ministry took place, was up in Galilee. And so it's not, uh, it's not unthinkable that there in that crowd, hailing Jesus as he came through, were some whom he had healed of their diseases. I wonder how many among that crowd might have been those who ate some of the bread and the fish that he miraculously multiplied there on that hillside that day that he preached. Save us. Save us from our diseases. Save us from our hunger. Save us from our miseries. But you know, if he was to continue on down and, and talk to others in that crowd, probably one of the primary uh, responses he would hear is this, save us from our enemies. 
The salvation that so many in that crowd longed for was a restoration of, of the glory days of their, of their distant past. The, the days of the strength of King David and the splendor of King Solomon when, when Israel was the power and the envy of the surrounding nations. And during that era, their kings would come up to Jerusalem to see for themselves the glory of Israel. The salvation they had in mind was the restoration of David's kingdom and its power and its glory. You see, the nation had lost that. And they had lost it because of their sin, which is, which is what had brought them to ruin. And which is what had led them down that pathway of humiliating subjugation. In Jesus' day, it was the Roman Empire. For more than 500 years, the people of Israel had been, had been beaten and bullied and abused. And they were longing for deliverance. You see, the salvation that they had in mind was, was, was a nationalistic salvation, a political salvation, maybe even an economic salvation. What they were looking for was, was a salvation, a deliverance from their circumstances. And you know what's interesting is that God has every intention of doing that for Israel, and he is going to do it. But Israel had lost sight of the salvation they most needed. They wanted their kingdom back, and they heralded their king. But there was a deeper problem that had to be dealt with. They wanted their kingdom back, but they were missing a fundamental prerequisite for, for participation in the kingdom. And it wasn't having the right nationality. It wasn't having the right ancestry. It wasn't having the right morality. What they needed was forgiveness. They needed forgiveness. You see, Israel was like so many of us today. They, they thought their problem was outside of them. Their problem was Caesar. Their problem was the soldiers. Their problem was the tax collectors. Their problem was the aristocrats. Their problem was the legalistic teachers of their day. Not unlike how we think. You know, we think the problem is the other political party. We think the problem is the spouse. The problem is the boss. The problem is a parent. The problem is this virus. But Jesus had been telling them all along that there was a deeper problem, and it was inside of them. That's why he had preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, repentance is an inside job. It's a heart issue. And repentance implies that there is something wrong. And, some, and, and thus something that must be repented of. So yes, Jesus came to, to give them a better life. He came to bring them deliverance from oppression. He came to bring healing from sicknesses. And he came to bring a restoration of honor and glory. But before any of that, he came to save them from their sin. Remember, the earthly name that God the Father gave to his Son was Jesus. And why? Because he will save his people from their sins. See, here's this crowd. They thought Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to save them from Rome. 
But what he was riding into Jerusalem to do was to save them from their sin. You know, we may be a different crowd, scattered to our various places of shelter. But 2,000 years later, we've got the same hopes and we have the same need that they had. There's a, a quote that's been attributed to author, educated, uh, educator Dr. Charles Sell, and it goes like this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Our greatest need is forgiveness. You see, the salvation that God offers is a salvation that comes through forgiveness. To forgive simply means to pardon an offender, to let them go, to cancel the debt. Our greatest need was forgiveness because we offended God. That doesn't just mean that, that, that you know, we did something he didn't like or, or that we kind of made him unhappy. No, we sinned against him. We rebelled against our maker. We were made to glorify him by reflecting his image. But instead, we, we defied him and we glorified ourselves. And so we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were made by him, but we did not honor him. And we exchanged his honor and his glory for all kinds of other things. We robbed God of his honor and glory by seeking our own satisfaction, our own joy from things other than him. So we offended him. And with that offense came a debt. The wages of sin is death. And with that offense came a penalty, and that penalty is eternal punishment. In fact, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 calls it the lake of fire. That's what you and I deserve. Death and hell. And that's a debt none of us could pay. That's a prison none of us could escape. That's a penalty none of us could ever cancel. The entire human race created by God, was doomed to hell, cut off from our creator forever. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, John 3.16. To not perish, that means to be pardoned to be forgiven. You see, this Jesus who rode into Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna is the one who suffered for our sins. He, the righteous one, suffering for the unrighteous, that's us, that he might bring us to God, according to 1 Peter 3.8. See that, that description of us? Unrighteous, sinful, owing a debt we can't pay. But, because of his sacrificial death, 
Jesus Christ has provided for our forgiveness. Because of what Jesus did, God forgives our sins. Because Jesus paid the penalty, God releases us from the penalty. Because Jesus died and paid the debt, we are released from that debt. If we put our trust in him and the provision that he has made. Well, what's the result of all of that? Well, certainly our shame is lifted, our guilt is removed, and there are blessings of salvation that come to us. But you know, those are secondary. The most glorious result of our forgiveness is that forgiveness is what lets us get to God. Peter said there in 1 Peter 3.8 that Jesus did this, that he might bring us to God. Sin is what drives us away. Forgiveness is what makes the way back. So you know that Palm Sunday plea is Hosanna. Save now. Save us, Lord, from our sins. These days in which we live, This is a time to humble ourselves before God and to seek his forgiveness. Maybe that would be for the very first time in your life that you've never bowed before the Lord and asked him for forgiveness. Do that right now. Right now. He came to save and God will forgive. Maybe it's been a long time since you and your quietness before the Lord have asked him to forgive you. So maybe it's time to do it again, to seek again afresh his forgiveness, not for salvation, but to keep the relationship and the fellowship that we have with our God fresh and real. We need to deal with the sin that comes into our lives. So it's time, perhaps, to deal with sins like pride and self-sufficiency and to confess that our hearts are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it prone to leave the God we love. In this time of vulnerability and need, I want to encourage you and call upon you to look to our one true Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord, and to trust him for forgiveness. And remember this, that the God who is able to save you from your sins is able also to save you from your fears, your uncertainties, your doubts, and your sorrows. Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says this, that when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and listen to this, and saves the crushed in spirit. So call out to him. Hosanna, save us now, Lord Jesus. Save us from our sin. Let us come to you, for only in you can we find our truest joy, and only in you can we find our enduring satisfaction. Save us from our sin. Save us from everything else. That's our plea this Palm Sunday. Father, help us, I pray, to turn to you in our hour of need. We need your salvation. First, we need your salvation. We need the salvation that you bring that forgives us of our sins. And Lord, we need your salvation and your deliverance every day of our lives. For we are tempted. We are prone to wander. We confess, Lord, that we get off track. We confess, Lord, that we fall into old patterns of pride and self-sufficiency, of distrust, 
forgive us. And might we fix our eyes on Christ, our exalted triumphant King, our Savior who died that we might live. And to him we give all honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like uh, to just have a private chat even now, I want to encourage you, you can, you can use that Ask for Prayer box. That would open up a, an opportunity for you to have a private chat. You can also call or text or email, or, uh, and, and we can talk. If there's any way, we can answer questions and minister to you spiritually. This coming week is one that's especially meaningful for us as Christians. It's a time when we, that we, when we pause and reflect especially on uh, the suffering of our, of our Savior. Of course, this is not something we do once a year, <laughs> hopefully every day of our lives, but especially in this week. And I want to encourage you, schedules have changed. Take time to quiet yourself before the Lord. Open the word. Read Isaiah uh, 53. Read Psalm 22. Go to the Gospels and read the accounts this week, once again, of the sufferings of our Savior because he suffered and he died for us. Ponder uh, uh, again the glory of what God has done. Ponder and be in awe again of his love and his sacrifice. So I encourage you this week, take some time to reflect on all that Christ has done for us. Also, I want you to know that we're going to be putting a few extra recorded messages or, or devotionals uh, up on our Facebook page uh, on, uh, on Thursday uh, evening and on, on Friday. Uh, on early, early Sunday morning, uh, we'll have our regular 9.30 and 11 o'clock time as well next Sunday. And then there will be something posted up uh, on Facebook uh, Sunday evening. The pastors, we're all going to be participating in that. So just be looking in your email. We'll give you more details uh, about that. Also, we're going we're gonna to invite you and give you the opportunity to, to, to participate by, by, uh, by having some family pictures that we can make a part of our, of our gathering uh, by the end of next week. So all I'm saying is just check your email. You're going to be getting more information uh, on that. Let's make this a special week as we rejoice in the Lord and we think on his goodness to us. So, my brothers and sisters and friends and guests, uh, God bless you. I trust that this Lord's Day will be special to you. Thank you.